You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. I'm Aaron Halstead, Content Manager and Editor of Preaching Source, filling in for Dr. McCarty today. In the studio with me is Dr. Matthew McKellar. Dr. McKellar is Professor of Preaching here at Southwestern Seminary. He has 28 years of pastoral ministry experience, and he's contributed much to the uh, conversation of preaching here at Southwestern with our conferences, workshops, and being a regular contributor here at Preaching Source. Dr. McKellar, it's good to have you uh, with us today. Thank you, Aaron. It's always a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, today we're discussing the Southern Baptist preaching tradition. So what makes Southern Baptist preaching, uh, Southern Baptist preaching, what's distinct about it? Uh, Dr. McKellar kind of goes without saying that uh, Southern Baptist preaching fits within a wider context of American preaching. Uh, One scholar has noted that the key elements to American preaching are emotionalism, revivalism, and unfortunately, a lack of a tether to the biblical text. Um, In your estimation, has Southern Baptist preaching largely incorporated or rejected these elements? Well, I think, Aaron, honestly, I have to say, to some degree, Southern Baptist preaching has incorporated all three of those. Now, let me qualify that a bit by saying, definitely, I think Southern Baptist preaching has incorporated emotionalism, but we need to be careful about how we define that, because uh, we would teach here at Southwestern that we do need to emote the text. As you know, in our philosophy of text-driven preaching, we believe that the text should drive the substance of the sermon, the structure of the sermon, and the spirit of the sermon. That is, we want to emote the text. But the emotionalism that, uh, that I think you're describing here has to do with, uh, uh, in, in early American preaching, uh, coming out of the, the Great Awakening and the uh, great use of emotion there, which in many cases was entirely appropriate, but of course there were also abuses and extremes. But I think there's a definite strand link in uh, historic Southern Baptist preaching that does include emotion. So yes, on that one. And then revivalism, certainly, because uh, you have in Southern Baptist preaching from its earliest times a real emphasis on conversion. That is, we're preaching the gospel so that men and women will respond in faith to Jesus Christ. Now, the third one, a lack of tether to the biblical text, I would have to say that unfortunately there certainly is evidence in the history of Southern Baptist preaching that you've had Southern Baptist preachers who were not as tied to the text as we would like them to be. I would like to say that with the passage of time and in more recent years, uh, we're doing a better job of that, of being uh, tied to the text in in an appropriate and, and in a really particular and distinct way. So, uh, I would say uh, guilty as charged on the first two and uh, a little bit on the third one, but I think we're, we're seeing great signs of progress in Southern Baptist preaching in terms of it being linked and tied directly to a biblical text. All right. So if those are the key elements of what makes up this broader context of American preaching, when you think of uh, Southern Baptist preaching in particular— what aspects of Southern Baptist preaching would you consider to be integral uh, to the tradition? Well, I think looking at the whole body of work today in terms of of Southern Baptist preaching as we look at it, ideally uh, what I think is absolutely essential, of course, would be first of all a commitment to biblical authority, that is the inerrancy of Scripture, that we 
uh, have confidence in the objective reality of Scripture and that we submit all of our subjective feelings and ideas to it. Uh, in that sense, in terms of interpretation, uh, in terms of inspiration, the text truly is king. The text is in the driver's seat. Uh, I, I think also beyond that, I think what's integral to Southern Baptist preaching today, and you would not be surprised to hear me say this, is I think a distinctly text-driven approach. Historically, there's been too much preaching that treats the, uh, treats the text uh, like people treat the national anthem before a sporting event. You know, it, you know it's going to happen. You know it's going to occur, and then it occurs, and then it's kind of set aside, and we move on to the, to the main offering. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what we want to do. We want to see a place in preaching where the text is absolutely uh, central. And so that's why I'm so excited about our commitment to text-driven preaching, that every facet of a sermon is driven by the text, not uh, my feelings, not my inclinations, my, not my subjective experiences. All of, those, all of those are subordinated to the text. I think another thing that's integral to, it's integral to Southern Baptist preaching today is a growing sensitivity to genre. We haven't always had this in the past. And by genre, I mean a sensitivity to, to the type of literature we're dealing with. For instance, if we're dealing with Paul's letters, we're dealing with the epistolary genre. There's a certain flow. There's a certain order. There's a certain structure uh, to those types of texts. On the other hand, uh, you have Old Testament narrative. That's the greater part of the body of the Old Testament. And those narratives are stories. And we don't want to preach those like we would preach a deductive, uh, shall we say, propositional uh, text in the New Testament, like one of Paul's letters, think Romans 12, 1 and 2. So I think a sensitivity uh, to genre. Uh, there are so many other things, but I think the last one I would say, uh, what's integral to Southern Baptist preaching today, I think is a commitment to preach the whole Bible. Having been a pastor, I know firsthand uh, how quickly those Sundays come around. And if pastors aren't careful, it just becomes too easy to go to your favorite text. You know, uh, I love to preach the Gospels or I love to preach Paul's letters. But if one is not careful, uh, he will find himself neglecting the whole counsel of Scripture. And so I think it's important, integral for Southern Baptist preachers today to preach the whole counsel of God, to have a planned program of preaching where they're preaching uh, Paul's letters, they're preaching the Gospels, they're preaching Old Testament narrative, they're preaching Old Testament law, uh, they're preaching the major prophets and the minor prophets because that's what's uh, really required of the preacher to present the whole counsel of God and to feed people with all of Scripture. Okay, so when you look back over the history of Southern Baptist, are there any key historical events or factors that have contributed to these elements becoming part of our, our preaching tradition? Oh, Aaron, I think there are several. Let me mention three or four. Um, I, I think one thing that you have to go back to is the importance of a man named John Broadus. And John Broadus was, was definitely the first uh, teacher of preachers in Southern Baptist seminary life, having taught at uh, Southern Seminary for, for many years. And he's kind of the grandfather of uh, Southern Baptist uh, preaching professors, and his basic work uh, on the preparation and delivery of sermons is vitally important. Uh, not only historically, but it continues to be so today. I, I think his influence uh, cannot be taken for granted. Now, 
Uh, you may recall from our studies in class that to John Broadus was not what we would call specifically or explicitly a text-driven preacher, but he was very text-centered and text-based, and so much of what he taught. It kind of trailblazed the way for us. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we cannot take for granted his, uh, his influence and those who influenced him. Uh, of course, you know one of my favorite preachers is Charles Simeon, and going back to Charles Simeon, who died in 1836 and did so much for preaching in England, particularly in the Anglican Church. Uh, he, in turn, was influenced by a Frenchman named Jean-Claude, who wrote the famous essays on the composition of a sermon. Um, Simeon got a hold of that and thought, aha, uh, th this is it. And he began to inculcate and use that and teach that to his students. And then it was very influential in his 21 volumes of sermons known as Hore Homileticae. Uh, I mention that because it seems uh, pretty clear historically that uh, Claude and Simeon had influence on guys like John Broadus and his contemporary, the Southern Presbyterian, uh, Robert Louis Dabney, uh, in the United States in the middle of the 19th century. And so you have that influence. I think it was huge. If I could stop you there, I just want to let our listeners know that you've written a very great uh, blog article on learning to preach from Charles Simeon. That if y'all are interested in, make sure you go to our blog and check that out. Uh, thank you, Aaron. And I would add that uh, Charles Simeon, in many ways, uh, I would say, is the great, great, maybe great granddaddy of text-driven preaching. There's a lot to learn from him. Uh, I think the, the second thing I would say that is important in Southern Baptist uh, life in terms of its history of preaching is simply education. I mean, you've got to remember that there was a time in the United States when the vast majority of evangelical preachers, including Southern Baptist preachers, had little or no education. These men were saved men, God-called men, but they had little opportunity to gain education. So I think with the advent of theological education, think the founding of, of the Southern Seminary and then later our seminary in 1908, Southwestern Seminary, the other Southern Baptist seminaries, along with evangelical seminaries around the United States, I think it's had a huge influence because it's given God-called men the opportunity to train and to, to learn what it is to preach God's Word. So that's the second thing. The third key thing, I would say, would be uh, Southern Baptist Convention Confessions of Faith. You can go back to the 1925 statement. Uh, more people are probably familiar with the 1963 Baptist Faith and Message. Dr. Herschel Hobbs was crucial in, in its formulation. And then more recently, in the year 2000, we had the update, the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which included um, a, a clearer articulation of the nature of Scripture as well as emphases related to the family. So these have defined and shaped a Southern Baptist life. The last thing I would mention, and of course there are so many others, would definitely be the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention, which really uh, began in the, in the late 1970s and continued on and uh, saw our denomination, in terms of its commitment to biblical authority, move from a trend leftward, uh, move back to a clear articulation and commitment to the authority of Scripture. Okay, so what I'm, what I'm hearing you saying is that even if we haven't always articulated our preaching in terms of um, a text-driven philosophy like we teach here at Southwestern, there's always been some sort of emphasis, or at least the seeds of an, expositor, an approach of expository preaching. Uh, why do you think there's been um, this emphasis of expository preaching in, in the Southern Baptist pulpit when 
this there's been a lack of emphasis in this and maybe other preaching traditions? Well, that that's a great question. I would I would probably answer it in two ways. Number one, again, uh, theological education in terms of our seminaries. And in our seminaries, historically, there has been a strong commitment to expository preaching. And I think a lot of that goes back to the influence of uh, guys like uh, John Broadus. And then later, when you uh, look at Southwestern Seminary, you think about men like Jeff Ray. Uh, Our colleague, uh, Kyle Walker, has written a great book on uh, the ministry and the influence of Jeff Ray, and it was uh, profound. I would also mention uh, men like Dr. Jess Northcutt, who taught at Southwestern here for many years. And so there, there was in uh, Southern Baptist seminaries this strong emphasis on expository preaching, which I think, by the way, was also connected to a distinct commitment to evangelism which uh, I think is a hallmark of, of what you see in Southern Baptist life. Those two things tied together uh, have been a positive and a formidable influence, I think, in Southern Baptist life. And then, Aaron, I think, frankly, I, I would have to say the, the providence of God, because, you know, every major mainline denomination in the 20th century in the United States dealt with the issue of biblical authority. I mean, you think about the United Methodists, the United Church of Christ, Disciples of Christ, the various Presbyterian denominations, Lutheran, I could go on and on. And if one were to ask me, why is it that Southern Baptists, uh, having drifted leftward, uh, righted the ship, so to speak, uh, I don't know that I could say it's because we were smarter or wiser or more gifted. Uh, I would just have to say I think uh, the providence of, of God in, in protecting his word and guarding and guiding his people, and I think the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention was absolutely crucial uh, because as you look across the landscape of denominational life in our country, you see denominations today who have really jettisoned the idea of biblical authority, or at best they have bought into a, a complete uh, Bardian approach, that is, the Bible becomes the Word of God, uh, it contains the Word of God, and we can kind of pick, a, pick and choose what we want to do. On the other hand, Southern Baptists have said in their confessional statements, look, this is the Word of God. We don't stand in judgment over it. It stands in judgment over us, and we subject any of our feelings and experiences to its authority. And so uh, I, I think that's been absolutely huge in terms of of keeping us as Southern Baptists on the right track. All right. Well, when you look at uh, us as Baptists or as Southern Baptists, we've long been known as dissenters and nonconformists. Would you agree with this characterization of us? I I think, Aaron, that is accurate overall. As I look at uh, the history of Southern Baptists, uh, looking back uh, uh, to its earliest days, uh, even before the formation of the Southern Baptist Convention in 1845, yes, uh, there is that uh, dissenting, nonconforming. We're going to uh, take our cues from no one but the Lord. Uh, that kind of thing. It's certainly uh, and clearly a part of Southern Baptist tradition in life. So, how is this, this identity that we've had as conform, nonconformists and dissenters? How has that contributed to how we've approached preaching? Well, I think it's affected it both positively and negatively. Uh, I'll mention one one negative aspect. I think in the early days of Southern Baptist life, because of that uh, strong, strongly independent spirit, so to speak, uh, dissenting, nonconformist, suspicious, I think it contributed to uh, a couple of things. One was uh, almost an anti-educational bias. Uh, there was a time in Southern Baptist life where 
where education uh, really of any kind was looked on with suspicion. Oh, if you go and you get extended education, you get detailed theological education, uh, it will turn you into a liberal. Uh, we need to be our own people. We're a populist movement. Uh, we're we're a, a, a rural development. And so let's stick with that. So I think that 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 was a negative uh, aspect, the the anti-education and then connected to that almost a um, almost a spirit of anti-cooperation. We're going to be suspicious of other faith groups. In fact, <laughs> in Baptist life, sometimes we're very suspicious of other Baptists historically. And so and so that's been a negative. But uh, uh, positively, positively, I think there are some uh, definite things to note there. And one would be what you saw in the conservative resurgence. You have almost every major mainline denomination moving in a leftward direction. But Southern Baptists, because of that, uh, shall we say, independent, dissenting, nonconformist spirit, said, wait a minute. Uh, we're not going to be unduly influenced by other denominations or other expressions of faith. We're going to go back to Scripture, and we're going to, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, uh, forge a way forward for our denomination. So it has negatives and positives. Dr. McKellar, are there any aspects that you think were present historically in the Southern Baptist pulpit that maybe have fallen by the wayside that we need to, to bring back? Yes, I do. I could mention several, but I'll mention a few for the sake of time. Uh, I think as I look at Southern Baptist preaching and look at uh, worship in Southern Baptist churches today— I think in the past there has been what I would call a, a greater sense, perhaps, of of gravity in preaching and in worship. And by gravity, I mean I mean weightiness and uh, a sense of of, of holiness and otherness. Uh, not only as we come to worship, but as preachers stand in the pulpit. Um, I, I'm alarmed sometimes by the almost uh, flippant and uh, entertainment approach that uh, comes through, whether intentional or not, in, in some pulpits and in some church services. It's almost as if uh, uh, one is at a, uh, a concert, an entertainment venue, and, and everything's upbeat and loud and live. And, and of course, I, I think there's a, a place certainly for great celebration and, and joy and expression of emotion, not against that at all. Uh, but but I think in past days we've seen in Southern Baptist life um, evidence of a commitment to the uh, the holiness of God, the otherness of God, the the weightiness of preaching, and then I would add to that, Aaron, the centrality of the pulpit. Uh, there are a lot of programs, a lot of good things going on in churches, but uh, churches and leadership have to determine today. Look, uh, what's going to drive us uh, as a congregation, as a church? Is it going to be a commitment to the Word of God, trusting that the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will do the work, or are we going to put our ultimate com, uh, confidence in, in programs and uh, plans and schemes and gimmicks? Not to say that planning and programs are, are not fine and appropriate. I understand that we need them, but what I'm talking about is just a simple confidence in the proclamation of the Word where the pulpit is front and center, that on Sunday morning the Word of God is going to be proclaimed. And so uh, I, I think we could use a reorientation to those concepts. Mm. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Matthew McKellar, giving us a lot to think about, about what makes us as Southern Baptists distinct in our pulpit ministry. Dr. McKellar, it's been great to have you. Thank you. Appreciate you.